My name is Patricia Kathleen, and this podcast series will contain interviews I conduct with female and female-identified entrepreneurs, founders, co-founders, business owners, and industry gurus. These podcasts speak with women and women-identified individuals across all industries in order to shed light for those just getting into the entrepreneurial game as well as those deeply embedded within it. Histories, current companies, and lessons learned are explored in the conversations I have with these insightful and talented powerhouses. The series is designed to investigate a female and female-identified perspective in what has largely been a male-dominated industry in the USA to date. I look forward to contributing to the national dialogue about the long overdue change of women in American business arenas and in particular entrepreneurial roles. You can contact me via my media company website, wild.agency, that's W-I-L-D-E dot agency, or my personal website, patriciacathleen.com. Thanks for listening. Now let's start the conversation. Hi everyone and welcome back. This is your host, Patricia, and today I'm sitting down with Flossie Hall. Flossie is the co-founder of AMSE, the Association of Military Spouse Entrepreneurs, which is located at amse.co online, as well as the founder of Time for Table, a healthy recipe book and guide for health. You can read more about Flossie on her personal website. That is Flossie, F-L-O-S-S-I-E, Hall, H-A-L-L, dot com. Welcome, Flossie. Thanks for having me. I'm so excited to be here. I'm excited to kind of climb through all of your endeavors as well. The military spouse and um, active duty kingdom is, is so fascinating in the world of entrepreneurship. It's really taking off. And um, the organization AMSC that you developed or the association is, it sounds fascinating. For everyone listening, I'm going to read a quick bio on Flossie. But first, I'm going to give you a roadmap of today's podcast. Um, it follows the same trajectory as all of the podcasts in this series. We are first going to cover um, Flossie's academic background and early professional life. Then we'll dive into unpacking um, AMSE, Time for Table, and a lot of her other endeavors and ventures um, that Flossie's had over the past her past professional career as well as currently. And then we'll turn our attention towards goals that Flossie has for the next three years um, in all of her projects and endeavors regarding scaling, expansion, um, pivoting, all of that. And then we'll wrap everything up with advice that Fossey may have for those of you looking to get involved with, with current projects and associations that she's built, or perhaps mirror some of her particular maneuvers. A quick bio on Flossie. Flossie is an accomplished entrepreneur specializing in e-commerce, marketing strategy, business development, growth of operations, and sales. She generated over seven figures revenue, revenues within the first year of launching her meal prep and delivery company, Healthy Mama, in 2015. She went on to sell over 500,000 meals, create over 100 military spouse jobs, donate over 10,000 meals to homeless veterans, and mentor numerous individuals. Flossie is now known in her role for the National Military Spouse Advocacy and public speaking across local and national venues such as Fox News, NBC, CBS, and PBS. Her most recent venture is the development of the Association of Military Spouse Entrepreneurs. So spouse, um, we're going to dive straight into Flossie. Um, I do want to get into all of those associations and things that you've built, but will you first take us through your academic background and early professional life? 
Yeah. So um, I actually wasn't supposed to be an entrepreneur. I would say yeah. I was an accidental entrepreneur. So my academic background, I'm actually a biologist and a psychologist by trade. So um, totally crazy, but um, I went to school with the intentions to become a doctor. And I have an EMT license and um, being a military spouse, you often don't have control of your own path and your own career. Hmm. So I was dragged all over the country and went from school to school and state to state and um, wound up in San Diego finally graduating after 10 years and um, took my MCAT and uh, realized that my husband was getting deployed again and with four kids at home that medical school was probably not the right path for me at Mm -hmm. that point in my life and um, I started an accidental business out of my home which was meal prepping and cooking for other families so uh, my academic background of genetic research and um, doing psychology and toxicology research uh, had absolutely nothing to do with starting a business. So I was totally unprepared for being an entrepreneur in every way possible that you could think of. Uh-huh. What, so what was the impetus for that particular meal prep? Like, was it a, a co-endeavor with a buddy? Were you thinking this sounds like something I could do? And what year was that? Uh, It was in 2015, and it actually was out of, um, I was going through my own weight loss journey, and I had been meal prepping for years. Um, I started my own weight loss journey a few years before that. I started a Facebook page called Healthy Mama. Um, I just would chronicle recipes and me going to the gym and working out for friends. And um, in 2015, uh, I wasn't going to school anymore. I had graduated. I was home. We were in San Diego. We were living on a measly military budget for a family of six and I needed to make money. And um, a friend of mine who owned a gym said, Hey, I'm paying a ridiculous amount of money for this really gross food and you make delicious food. I'm going to pay you to do this for me because you're doing it for your family anyway. And you need the money. And I was like, Oh, okay, this is great. Um, I can get paid to do what I'm already doing. And I posted it on this Facebook page that I had created over the years um, with a pretty good size following. And the response was just astronomical. My Mm -hmm. Facebook just blew up with um, every mom and friend and military spouse that I knew that said, oh my God, you will cook all my food for me every week. Please, here's all my money. Take it. (laughs) Excellent. Oh, light bulb. Sounds good. (laughs) Yeah, exactly. So you didn't know, you didn't have any of the ins and outs. Did you have any kind of a mentor or someone that you looked towards or did you kind of make it up as you went along and as you garnered clients? Well, I say I went to the school of Google and YouTube. Um, so all hours mm-hmm. of the night scouring the internet. Um, I definitely failed every way possible that you could think of. Um, and after about my first year in business, um, I did finally stumble upon business mentors, which are beautiful things. And I didn't know they existed because I didn't know anybody in business. I didn't know business owners. I didn't know about SCORE and the SBA. And I didn't know there was this whole world out there. And once I found them, I latched on to everybody that I could find and was like, help me. I need to know everything in your brain because I don't know what I'm doing. Um, But that first First year was definitely uh, really, really tough for me. Absolutely. And so who, who was it that introduced you to like SCORE and SBA and things of, that were providing the business? Was that just something you stumbled across after researching for a year? 
Yeah, just stumbled across through um, referrals and friends. And I had found somebody through SCORE, but um, it wasn't a fit because I was such a new style company. I was an e-commerce company, but I was also a food company. So I was also kind of technology, but I was also brick and mortar, but I was also meal prepping. So SCORE didn't really know what to do with me either. (laughs) So Yeah, right. I didn't really get matched with the right people. So I didn't have the best mentoring experiences, but then luckily through a friend, um, I was referred to an attorney who was like, I love everything you're doing. Here's this, you know, a really high level business mentor who then referred me to five more people who referred me to five more people who just wrapped their arms around me and said like, here's all the good people that are you know, startups, like this is the, the young people that are starting businesses today, right. not, you know, the 60 plus retired generation that don't know what you're doing. Um, not to knock anything, but it was definitely people that were more in tune with what I was doing. So it helped tremendously. Well, and I think it is vital to be involved with people who have young companies when your company is young, particularly because the zeitgeist, like the, 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 cultural norms of what a company is, like you were saying, all of these different, you know, um, different categories that your company fell within, that's kind of the new norm. You know, this this cross-pollination and like weaving different concepts of e-commerce into like this meal prep and delivery and all of those things, that's kind of where the new, I think, the new businesses, at least on, on a, a large platform, are headed. And so, it, to have someone advise you correctly, you have to have someone who has that kind of... Um, agile, you know, flexibility and not just being so like we're a retail store, you know, all of these Mm -hmm. like very specific categories, I suppose that businesses traditionally fell into. I think startups are very traditionally not fitting in or fitting into five of them. You know, it's, it's not this like very clean and tidy moment. So that's an interesting concept for mentorship. I mean, having someone who's really at least flexible to all of those areas or ideally, you know, someone who's involved in them. Yeah. And that was hard because the very first mentor I was given was like somebody who owned a bunch of pizza shops and, but it was somebody who was very, you know, much older than me and owned brick and mortar, but he was in the food business. And I was like, he told me everything I was doing was wrong, but he didn't understand anything that I was doing. He didn't understand that we were delivering our food, that we were a physical location, but you couldn't come get it, that it, you know, that it was being ordered online, that it was meal prep, that he didn't understand anything about what we were doing because it was all so new. So everything we did was wrong and everything I was doing was the wrong way. And it just didn't make sense. Social media marketing didn't make sense. Like there were so many things that I was like, um, this isn't a good fit for me. Yeah. (laughs) It's not working out. I I need somebody else to help me here. And you mentioned marketing and I'm interested in some of that with the meal prep. I feel like, um, the meal prep, farm sharing, all crop sharing, all of those kinds of industries really blossomed under, you know, the the boom of the past 10 years of social media marketing because it kind of allowed people um, to be in geographically similar areas but connect on, on a different platform other than like your traditional, you know, um, posting up a sign at the local Whole Foods or something. And I'm curious, um, how much did you, which platforms did you find most useful And um, how much did you lean on social media marketing in the beginning? And how much do you think it it contributed to your growth? 
Well, I leaned on Facebook and it was the sole basis for all of my growth. And I contribute all of it to social media marketing because I had built a brand before I ever had a business. So I built a brand in myself as Healthy Mama because I built community trust with sharing my recipes and sharing my knowledge on healthy eating and exercise and all these great things. And I had, you know, 15,000 followers and I was reaching several hundred thousand people. So then all of a sudden when I had a product, everyone was like, oh my God, I want your product. And then when my product was really good, people would share my product. And then my product was very mission driven. Mm -hmm. We were focused on selling healthy, affordable food so that it was accessible to the people who really needed it. So it was half the price of products anywhere else in the market in San Diego. So people just couldn't believe believe that. So we didn't have to do anything except give our food away to people who needed it or sell it to people and then let them talk about it. And then social media just spread like wildfire and we could not make the food fast enough and I was drowning to keep up. So Facebook is the sole reason that we did a million dollars in revenue our first year in business. And I, I seriously, I couldn't make the food fast enough. Yeah. And it's, it's, well, I mean, the developing your own brand and having that be a self-brand identity, I think is, um, I don't know if that was premeditated by you or not, but I think anytime you get into the health and fitness industry, it's crucial, you know, people buy into an individual and um, kind of that person's philosophy and the company's ethos is born usually out of that. You know, it's, it's never in um, divorce from those those two attributes, if they divorce, I think don't don't um, function as fluidly. Uh, with your actual like what you were doing, do you have? Did you ever start with a target audience? Like you you said that you know your initial client was this gym owner trainer that said, "I've got some really horrible stuff. Come make me things." Did you take that initial customer and say, "I'm going to target people in my area that are going to gyms," or was it just anybody? It was just anybody because at the time I didn't know you were supposed to have a target audience or a target consumer. Um, yeah. I just said, I looked at the food that was out there and I said, it's really expensive. It's kind of bland. It's chicken and brown rice and sweet potatoes. And there's nothing for families. There's nothing for kids. There's nothing that is affordable and there's nothing that looks like it tastes good. So I'm going to make something for everybody. And I just felt like all the meal prepping services out there were very niche to the gym goer. Mm -hmm. And there wasn't something that was cooked and fresh and delivered to your house. And there was things like Blue Apron, but I didn't understand that concept of paying $15 a meal to cut and cook your own food. I was like, it's still just groceries delivered to your house. Um, I was like, I want something that's six to seven to eight dollars a meal, but it's already cooked. It's already delivered to your home. All you have to do is heat and eat and it tastes good. And yeah. um, I just saw a really big gap in the market and I wanted something for families. And that's what I created. And every person I could think of from individuals to gym goers to, you know, military members to moms to, you know, I fed UFC fighters to you name mm -hmm. it. We our, everybody bought my food. There wasn't a target demographic because everybody wants healthy, affordable food. Nobody apparently wants to cook and nobody wants to spend a lot of money on it and everyone wants good food. So uh, it was kind of a win for everybody. How was your growth? Was it um, sporadic or did it take off? And within that growth, how did you adjust with your um, company size? Did it start off with just you and someone else 
or and, and how did you adjust once the growth adjusted? So we were in my home for the first eight months, um, and we, which was insane. So we went from, or seven months, went from, you know, my home kitchen to just me and a few friends, um, military spouses cooking out of my home kitchen to making 800 meals a week. And then we rented a commercial kitchen and went from our first day of commercial launch to within six months having 50 employees, um, wow. which is insane to say the least. So when I say I've gone through every growing pain possible, yeah. <laughs> our growth was pure, straight, I mean, straight up. We, we grew week over week, over week, over week. Um, and then we just, we couldn't keep up with it. We had to close early. We had to, you know, run second batches to keep up. We had to deny people that we just couldn't make enough food. We couldn't hire enough people. Um, it was really, really great the first year. The second year, we ran into a lot of growing pains and took a really big hit with some problems and had to lay off staff. And um, we had a bad e-commerce site launch, which you know took a huge hit in our revenues. And uh, all those problems you you don't pay attention to in the first year catch up in the second year. <laughs> so, yep. Yeah. Uh, growing pains and things that happen, but uh, you know it's. It was definitely a learning experience to say the least, but, uh, I, I feel like it was, a, I tell everybody it was a crash course MBA, but mass food production, as much as I love everything that we did in such a short amount of time, um, it was not my dream business. Uh, I love right. the impact that we did. I love that we, you know, sold healthy, affordable meals. I love that we gave away thousands and thousands of meals to people who needed it. I love that we helped so many organizations. We did so many good things, but I have so much PTSD from that company. That every time I see raw chicken, I get a little bit of a twitch. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Well, and I think that some businesses that are developed out of that, you know, you have this immediate start with someone just saying, I'd like to pay you for it. And you think this could be cool. I'm going to earn some scratch. I'll do this. I'll do this. And then you have this wild success and suddenly it's this beast, you know, this hungry baby that you had never thought it was your life's calling anyway. I think that that is, um, it can be a lot of conversations that startups and founders and entrepreneurs, young and old have with themselves. You know, when you think that something could be profitable or interesting to do for a year, it's not necessarily your life's passion right? It's just something that you're doing along the way. And the lessons therein, I think, are just as valuable. But I do think that having like that clear and concise conversation with yourself is good because it sounds like, I mean, especially in your case, you turned, you know, your efforts, you have time for table. I want you to just walk us through. I know that that's a work in progress, but it's, it's a healthy, uh, what we've got like a healthy recipe book and a health guide um, that you're writing. And then you also, um, I want to turn from after you tell us a little bit about time for table and when you think that, um, or what it's kind of based around or about in case someone wants to reach out to you and then we'll look at AMSC. So time for table after healthy mama. Um, so healthy mama, I had, um, an exit that was available to me after taking some pretty tough hits for a little bit. And I kind of ran for the door as fast as I could. Yeah. Um, it, but health and food is in my blood and I'm really good at it and people love my food and they wanted more. So I was, but I won't be in the kitchen again. That's not a thing. <laughs> so I right. was trying to figure out how do I get 
what I did to the masses. Um, so Time for Table was kind of born. And uh, it's a meal prepping guide teaching families how to meal prep. And the goal of it eventually is going to be uh, accompanied with some of my famous sauces and seasonings that I created through Healthy Mama, which are all homemade and taste great, and they're going to be affordable. Um, but with the entrepreneurial life, it kind of got pushed to the back burner because um, the past year and a half, I've been teaching military spouses how to start and launch and grow their businesses um, all over the country. And um, I've been helping programs and helping national companies and helping mentor and advocate and do all these great things. And um, that endeavor got pushed back and I ended up launching another company on accident as well, mm -hmm. <laughs> which yeah. is the Association of Military Spouse Entrepreneurs, which is a program to support military spouses in launching their businesses. So um, that is now a full-blown beast uh, of a business. So Time for Table is still a passion project of mine that will get completed now that I can take a little bit of a breath. Um, but uh, food will always be my passion. And meal prepping, I think, is crucial to American society today to help families stay on track to yeah. they, we just don't have time to cook every day. And I think, you know, prepping a bunch of your food one day a week together as a family teaches you better eating habits, you grab and go, you, there's no excuses and just teaching people how to do that. It's affordability. There's all these great things to it. So eventually I'll get to that. But right now uh, I'm, I have this whole other great program that I'm teaching other military spouses how to start and grow their businesses, which is really great. Yeah, and, and what an industry for it. First of all, I think you have contagious entrepreneurism. Like I think you have this inability, like you're this this inability not to be an entrepreneur. You know, there's this that you're constantly backing into, which I think is kind of the state of like a true entrepreneur just has to create things, right? It's that like it just comes out of them. Um, and so I think it's awesome that it developed out of this kind of just organic growth. Um, and also the industry of military spouses, it was such a ripe um, community of people built for entrepreneurship. You know, these, these people who have um, spouses all kind of aligned under that, the, their career, you know, modus operandi. And then most of them with families, all of them in a geographic area. Like, I just think there's a lot of, um, I, there wasn't a lot of talk in, in the 90s and the aughts about like, the, that community. And since then, I've learned so much about people that are reaching out and they themselves networking within the, you know, the military spouse um, community and things like that. It seems like it's ripe for doing what you're doing, which is, you know, teaching people, as you say, with your, you know, self-acquired MBA of how to launch a startup. Um, it seems like the perfect avenue for it. I'm wondering, does your interface happen virtually so that you can reach um, military spouses across America or is it all done um, more face-to-face? -face? How is it all set up thus far? So everything is virtually and we actually have spouses globally. So we even have spouses that are stationed overseas because spouses are all over the world. Um, and that is the problem. Military spouses have the highest unemployment rate in the country at nearly 30%. And it's because of our lifestyle. Like I said earlier, we often don't have control over what we do, where we live, where we're going, our timelines, our resumes are spotty, the demands on our lifestyle. We have kids at home. And I truly believe that entrepreneurship 
is just a huge answer to that because we become yeah. our own bosses. We don't have to answer to anybody. We can take our kids with us to work. We can work remotely from home. We can work from a laptop and Wi-Fi. Um, and we can do things like, you know, develop our own social media businesses or build websites or be graphic designers or, you know, do all these great, amazing technology-based businesses um, and do it from all over the world. And um, spouses are now starting to realize that entrepreneurship is an option, but they don't know where to start. So the Association of Military Spouse Entrepreneurs is just a way to say, hey, we understand you. We get your lifestyle. You're not just living a really hard lifestyle, which is the military spouse lifestyle, but you're also living the entrepreneurship lifestyle, which is really hard too. So let's come together and support you. Let's Absolutely. show you what resources are out there because you're very disconnected from your community. Um, so here's some great programs. Here's some great tools. Here's some great discounts. Here's some great events. And then here's other people doing it. So ask your questions. Here's some great webinars and Here's a lawyer you can talk to. Here's, you know, a virtual co-working spaces. Here's a private Slack channel. Like go in and talk to other photographers that are running their own photography businesses. Like mm -hmm. um, it's just a great place of community support of people that get you in your lifestyle. Absolutely. Yeah. The Slack channels. It's a really good point. I love it. I love where the, the industry has gone, especially the virtual industry. There's, I mean, I had, you know, I just interviewed a personal trainer who's, was speaking to me from Bali and half of her clients are located in, you know, the Americas. And, um, she just, I was, I hadn't even occurred to me, you know, that someone could do, and, and that's ridiculous. Of course you can do anything, you know, online. I, I'm an avid member of Peloton and, um, I do all of my cycling online and then all of a sudden, you know, I'm talking to this woman who's like, yeah, half of my clients aren't here. And I thought that's so true. It's such a good point. And I think that most businesses have an avenue where, you know, you can have more of a virtual basis. And introducing people to do that is awesome. When you look at, I mean, I know that the association is young, but when you look at goals or, or growth, I mean, you sound like a fairly goal-oriented individual. Um, for the, like, over the next few years, where do you see AMSE going? Like, where, where would you be happiest if it was um, to be in the next three years? So I, I tend to not aim small. I don't know if you've caught yeah. that or not. <laughs> right. <laughs> I'm I've more got it. of a world domination kind of person. So my goal um, is for AMSI to be a part of something um, affiliated into the government, into the Chamber of Commerce that is supported and backed by, you know, the SBA and SCORE. And uh, we have a lot of great partnerships already with great programs like Hello Alice and Founders Institute. And we have a lot of amazing people supporting our military spouses. And we just want to get them all of the great things to help them launch and grow their businesses. So whether that's grants for them specifically to get their business license or, you know, get that legal paperwork or file that LLC or whatever it is. Um, my goal is pretty big, but anything it takes to get them to have control of their own path, um, to have a stable career and to bring financial stability to their families. Um, that's my goal at the end of the day. It's another way that we can service too, as a, you know, as a country to give back. I mean, uh, it's, I'm of the staunch opinion that um, we don't do enough for our active um, service members or our veterans. And it's always been, you know, a state of um, 
propaganda and platform during uh, elections. And then I think it gets pushed to the side during the reality after those and, and not to become political at all, but there's just hard figures that, you know, support that we don't give enough attention. And I think these kinds of um, second, you know, grandfathering moments of saying like, let's look at the spouses as well in order to give back to um, all our military service um, members is a really unique and clever way to go about it. I mean, I can imagine that the the payback too to the economy and um, to the the entire veterans and um, active members uh, population would be nothing but good for everyone. So I think it's a it's not just a lofty goal. I think it's a, a good one. You know, I think it would service everyone involved to have yeah. um, this the spouses of military um, members be really engaged and looked at and offered, you know, these moments instead of kind of, like you said, stripped of the ability to do things that require one to be geographically present all the time. So yeah, that's and people a- don't understand the ripple effect that it has when a military spouse is lost and hopeless and feels defeated, then that rolls down to, hey, I want you to get out of the military. This isn't the life for me. I think you need to get out. I think we're done because I want to move back home. I'm miserable. And you know how much money that our government loses because they've spent time and money to put into that service member in training. And after six years or eight years, that service member gets out because their spouse is miserable and lonely and defeated and doesn't have a career, doesn't have a path. But when that spouse is empowered and has their own path and their own identity, then that spouse isn't saying, hey, I need you to get out of the military. They say, I'm going to support you because you support me. You live your life. I live my life. We're both happy. We're, we're both living our paths. And then the military retention rate goes up and that saves our country billions of dollars. Right. And the mental health impact the family impacts, the children, because they have happy parents, they have happy mom, they, you know, just the the ripple effect of what it does for spouses is, is tenfold. And the statistics that we have behind it is, is insane. It's like, let's just give our spouses something that they can call their own. And uh, we're just trying to empower them and say, hey, you don't have to wait around for somebody to hire you. You don't have to take a job at a local coffee shop just to feel like you have something. Take take your career in your own hands and, and go do it yourself. Here's the tools. Here's what you need. Go do it. Your time is now. Nice. Yeah, absolutely. It sounds um it sounds exciting. I think mean, I think it can branch even beyond the community, but the community that you're looking at, I think, is um so valiant. I wonder so Given the massive amount of, of self-education that you have in startups and things of that nature, if someone approached you tomorrow on the street and said, I'm going to go off and I'm going to do this entrepreneurial thing, you know, I'm a military spouse, what are your top three pieces of advice you would give that person as they were like headed out into the beginning moments of that journey? I would say to find a mentor, first of all. Mentorship is key. to to lean on mentors. I am a firm believer in having people guide you. Um, Two, don't be afraid to take the leap. It's never going to be perfect, but you always have to just go. You can build it and fly it with people in it, but you have to at least jump off the cliff, right? Yeah, (laughs) absolutely. You can build it on the way down. Um, And I think third is protect yourself always. Um, A lot of... uh, people that I run into a lot of startups, a lot of entrepreneurs, they don't protect the things that they build. And that hurt me a lot in my first business. And now it's the foundation of everything I do. And I teach, um, legal is very, very important in business. And, 
it's a very sad part of business, but you have to protect yourself in so many different ways and protect everything that you work so hard to build. Um, so I think that's a really important aspect of business is protect yourself. Even if your your husband is your co-founder, you should have a, a founder's agreement because you always prepare for the divorce in everything that you do. <laughs> right. Yeah, that's absolutely true, I think. Um, and it's good. It's good to keep your eyes not always, you know, starry and also not always pessimistic. So find a mentor. Don't be afraid. You can build it after the jump. I like that. Yeah. And then protect yourself. Button up your legalities. Those are great pieces exactly. of advice. I completely concur. I think that those are exactly what um, young entrepreneurs need to keep in mind. Um, well, we are out of time, but I wanted to say thank you so much, Flossie. I really love your endeavors and what you're doing, and um, I really appreciate uh, you giving me – I know we're approaching a holiday, and I really appreciate you giving us um, a little bit of your time, even though you've got a hectic life and a hectic house. Yeah, thank you so much for having me, and thank you for all that you do, and I'm so grateful, and I hope you have a happy Thanksgiving with your family. Absolutely. Right back at you. And thank you. Um, anyone who's looking to hear more about um, the AMSE, the Association of Military Spouse Entrepreneurs, you can get on amse.co or you can visit Flossie's website, flossiehall.com, and learn more about Flossie and her own personal brand within that. Thank you for everyone listening. I appreciate your time. And until we speak again, remember to always bet on yourself. Slunch.